Thanks, Mark. Good morning, King's Cross. It's great to be with you in this way. We're going to be continuing in our uh, series in Luke, and uh, I'll start by reading the text for us, and then we'll be going through and seeing how that applies to us and what it might mean for us. Um, if you have a Bible, or you can grab one, uh, grab a Bible, you're in your home, so hopefully there's one there, <laughs> or you can look on your phone, but turn to Luke chapter 11, and from verse 37, we're going to read the text, and then we'll make some comments on it. This text is quite a disruptive text. Um, whatever disruption we've had this morning, um, this is going to disrupt us even more. Um, it's uh, one of Jesus' strongest rebukes of the Pharisees, and uh, we'll have a look at it and uh, try and make some sense of it for us this morning. It's good to be here, but let's, let's read Luke chapter 11 and from verse 37, and uh, I'll read it to you. Uh, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. And so he went in and reclined at the table. And the Pharisee was astonished that he did not wash his hands before dinner or did not wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but the inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did you not know that he who made the outside made the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tie the mint and rue and every herb, and yet you neglect justice and the love of God. You ought to have done uh, you, these; you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and the greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you! For you are like unmarked graves, and people walk over them without knowing it. But one of the lawyers answered, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. He said, Yes, woe to you, lawyers, also. You load people with burdens that are hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, you blind, uh, you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you, are, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, some of them whom they will kill and persecute. And so the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge, and you did not enter yourselves, and you hinder those who were entering. And as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait to try and catch him in something that he might say. Chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered uh, together, they were trampling one another, and began to uh, say to his, and he began to say to his disciples, "Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in the private rooms shall be proclaimed on the rooftops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who can kill the body, and after that have nothing more they can do." But I will warn you 
of whom you should fear or whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed the body has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why then, uh, why even the hairs of your head are numbered? Fear not, you are more of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you that everyone who acknowledges men, uh, me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about, what you sh about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. A very hard-hitting uh, passage indeed. Um, I'll see to check with Joel that everyone's still here. You may have uh, opted out. <laughs> Uh, at this point. I want to just take us through this passage in three sections this morning. Obviously there's a bunch of woes about the outside versus the inside. There's a warning from Jesus to beware of this leaven and then there's a promise that the Holy Spirit will teach us. Um, that's the three sort of sections this morning we're going to look at. First of all obviously outside versus inside. Jesus is denouncing the religion of the Pharisees he is checking, uh, he's, he's having a, a meal with this guy who's invited him in, some uh, Pharisees invited him into his house, and the Pharisee is astonished that Jesus doesn't wash his hands. So the first thing we know from this text is that the Pharisee obviously didn't have any children. Because if you are astonished when you see no washing of hands, clearly you haven't been at my house at dinner time, uh, where you see no one washing their hands, <laughs> just eating, grabbing food. The Pharisee must have not had children, but he's astonished because Jesus, what, doesn't adhere to some religious outer form. And so he's a bit upset by this. You know, you might ask Jesus into your world, as this Pharisee did, and you might become astonished at some things. When was the last time you were astonished? It might be Jesus getting into your hearts, taking a look under the hood, have you been astonished by someone behaving badly? What arose in your heart? Were you astonished when someone chose themselves over others? What arose in your heart? Were you astonished when someone didn't meet your expectations? What arose in your heart? I know what arises in mine. I meet everyone's expectations. How come they can't meet my expectations? Sometimes when we're astonished, when Jesus comes in and we're astonished by someone's outward failings, what's also going on at the same time is there's an internal brokenness in ourselves. And Jesus makes it clear that God made both the inside and the outside. You know, Jesus knows their thoughts. They didn't really ask him a question. He just unleashes into this uh, woes and they're all just exposing internal attitudes. Jesus made us inside and out. He already knows the inside and the out. And Jesus corrects them. He says, clean the inside and the outside will also be clean. This is reflected Psalm 51 where David says, God, create in me a clean heart. Cast me not from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 51. David describes God, even in that psalm, he says, You do not delight in the sacrifice of bulls or uh, offerings, or I would bring them. But, O oh God, by your Spirit, create in me a clean heart. Jesus is correcting something on the inside. If you're clean on the inside, you don't need to worry about the outside. So often we point to external reasons to cover our internal sin. We might use things like, you don't know about my upbringing, why I am like this. You may not know my circumstances, you may not know my family, you may not know my loneliness, and we point to external things. You do not know that I'm not loved enough. That's why I can't love others. There is no sin that does not originate on the inside. No person or circumstance that changes your inside. Sin begins on the inside. The biggest danger to you is not other people or your circumstances. The biggest danger to you is you. (laughs) You need to be rescued. And this is what Jesus is pointing out to the Pharisees. You don't live from within. You love the best. You're like an unmarked grave. Can you, can you think of this rebuke? The Pharisees are saying, Jesus, you didn't clean the outside. You didn't wash your hands. And Jesus says to them, you are, a, you are internally a dead body. <laughs> Isn't that true? I, I know we see this. I see this in my family sometimes and in my own heart. We go, when we sit down to do something, some, one of the children may point out what the other children haven't done. Johnny didn't wash his hands, or he took my cupcake. (laughs) There's always some external reason as to why they're angry and upset and and, uh, doing something, and it's exactly the same with us. We like to point to something outside, but the problem really is inside of us. And then we tend to, as Jesus explained here, they're unmarked graves and then they cover it up. He says they're covered up. They put the grass over the top and they pretend like it's all good. When you are unclean on the inside, you also defile others. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, you're, you're an unmarked grave. What's going on is outside you're clean, but inside you haven't uh, changed anything in your heart. And actually that begins to defile others. What do you, what do you whisper? They say something, but they whisper something else. They say, to, they say to Jesus, come and dine with me, but by the end of this uh, dinner, they're plotting to kill Jesus. They're trying to get rid of him. So a summary of the woes quickly. <laughs> clean outside, unclean inside. Big on sacrifice, low on love. Counting out the tithe of the mint, but not loving anyone. Big on reputation, low on internal character. Big on being seen by man, very low on being seen by God, who knows the inside and the out. That's the Pharisees' first three woes. And what happens is the lawyer, the lawyer sitting there objects and he goes, Jesus, are you insulting us as well? And Jesus continues with the woe. Notice how the lawyer objects. He stands up and goes, surely not me. You might have an internal lawyer. <laughs> who also does the same. Surely not me, Lord. And Jesus continues, he says, 
you lawyers, you, you're doing just a, as bad a job. You're loading um, rules onto people and then you take away even the keys of life. You, you know the scriptures, but instead of using them to bring freedom to life, you use them to heap up more burden upon people. They don't lift a finger, Jesus says, to alleviate the burdens of others. In fact, you load up these burdens and it is in complete opposition to the ministry of Jesus to, burden, to load burdens on people. Jesus' ministry is exactly the opposite. He doesn't load up the burdens. He carries the burdens of the weak. Surely He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed Him not, stricken and smitten by God and afflicted, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that bore us peace, and by His wounds we are healed. Surely He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Jesus' ministry is completely different to the ministry of the Pharisees who heap up burdens. He bears our weaknesses. Do you bear the weaknesses of others? Is your ministry similar to the ministry of Jesus or similar to the ministry of Pharisees? When you see a weakness, do you just point it out? Or do you help to bear with it, help to carry it? Or even worse, when you see a weakness, do you gossip about it? Start to tell others about it? Or even worse than that, when you see a weakness, do you use it to hide your own sin? By pointing it out and making a big deal of it, while all on the inside, you don't lift a finger. Hard-hitting words that Jesus brings to the Pharisees. And of course, these Pharisees disagree with Jesus' diagnosis. They leave in a fit and try to catch him out. It says, as they went from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press and provoke Jesus to speak many things so that they could lie in wait and catch him out. They disagree with the diagnosis. They're like, no, Jesus, we are good on the inside. But in fact, they begin to prove Jesus' diagnosis because they're trying to catch him out to kill him. And ultimately, it comes out that That's what's in their hearts. Murder is in their hearts, while the outside is clean. You know, I find I'm more like the Pharisees than I'd like to admit. I'm often pressing against Jesus. I'm often saying, no, I'm okay, I'm right. I'm right. I'm clean on the inside, Jesus. Have you ever tried to outsmart Jesus? This is what the Pharisees were trying here. I know I have many times tried to outsmart Jesus. Jesus, you are above all. You are above all. But I got a side hustle. I got something else I'm doing. I'm just doing this. Jesus, I'm putting others before me, but I just can't forgive this person. I am serving you, but I also need to take care of these things and serve myself a bit. Many times I've tried to outsmart Jesus. And we only try to outsmart Jesus when we're hiding something. When something on the inside is not working. Jesus knows the inside and the out. And so they do not respond in repentance. When something like this comes to us, it's incredible grace coming to us. Actually, it's grace coming to to these Pharisees. When, we are, when something is pointed out, 
that we have something wrong on the inside. It's actually Jesus' grace coming to us. He wants to clean us on the inside. He wants to bring us into freedom. And the Pharisees deny it. They, they don't agree with Jesus' diagnosis. And so they reject the grace that is coming to them. I know it doesn't feel like that often when we find something in our hearts is broken. We often kind of go, we don't go, oh, thank you, God, so much for your great grace, which has revealed this. Rather, most often we object, like the lawyer. We say, no, it's not, it's not true. Could we see, when Jesus confronts us like this, that it's actually His great grace coming to us to, to rescue us from ourselves, to change something in our hearts? And so, this is the context, the first the bunch of woes that Jesus gives to the Pharisees. And, and why do I apply it to us? Well, because Jesus applies it to his disciples in the next verse as we get into chapter 12. The first thing he says is he speaks alone to the disciples. He says, beware of this leaven of the Pharisees. Everything I've just warned the Pharisees about, beware, it can happen to you. This is not just a warning for the Pharisees. Jesus directly addresses his disciples and tells them to beware. Be careful it doesn't happen to you. Beware of the leaven, the leaven of hypocrisy, of external appearance, of internal reality. It is possible to happen to you. Everything, and then Jesus begins to explain that everything will come out. Everything will be exposed. Directly he's referring to the Pharisees. The Pharisees will be exposed. Their motives to try and kill him will come out. It will be declared. It will be seen for all. be in the lights. But the same with us. Everything on the inside will ultimately come out. You can't trick Jesus. You can't hide it from Him. The Pope John Milton said that our mind is a place of its own. And I might just change it to our hearts. Our hearts is a place of its own. Our hearts can make heaven of hell and hell of heaven. Our hearts can deceive us. So Jesus says, everything will come out. What do you speak? What do you whisper? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. As you think in your heart, so you are. What have you whispered? What have you gossiped? Whose character have you slandered? Is someone perceived in a poorer light after the whispers that you've given? Your heart is like leaven and it will... Take over your whole life. Beware of it, Jesus says. The heart will leaven everything. Don't let it be, yeast, be taken over by what has happened to the Pharisees, hypocrisy. Jesus then goes on to address fear and he says, Don't fear man, but rather fear God. And why does he say that? Because fear is the beginning of hypocrisy. When we fear men, when we're not worried about, when we're just trying to look good for others or we don't want to be seen in a bad light, that's what starts the lying. That's what starts the hiding. Fear is the beginning of hypocrisy. What, is, what do you fear in your hearts? Be careful. Be warned, Jesus says. Don't let this leaven take over. When you fear man, it will grow. It will grow quickly. So these are the, the, the woes and the warnings. Is there any good news, you might ask? Is there any, any redemption that can happen? How do you clean the inside? What, what is possible? What can we do to clean the inside, the internal hearts? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
We need a rescuer. We need Jesus to rescue us. So Jesus starts this thing by saying, acknowledge me, acknowledge Jesus. And Jesus says that those who acknowledge him will be acknowledged before the Father. We need to first of all admit that we need Jesus. It's the first point of beginning to receive a changed heart, is acknowledging your need for Jesus. The Pharisees did not want to acknowledge this. They didn't want to seek forgiveness. They did not think that they needed a rescue. And so they continued with a hard heart. Jesus then says that even the, uh, if you reject Jesus, you might be forgiven. But he gives a, a, a great, uh, very difficult verse where he says, But if you blaspheme or reject the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. And just very quickly, I might just summarize that. <laughs> I'm sure you might want a longer conversation about it. But basically what Jesus is saying is when you reject the Holy Spirit... You are rejecting the means by which you are led to forgiveness. You are, when the Holy Spirit convicts you in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment, when the Holy Spirit comes to bring you to Jesus and you reject that, you're now rejecting the method and the means of forgiveness so you can't receive forgiveness. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if you say that the, like the Pharisees did, oh, Jesus is casting out demons by Beelzebub, uh, we're not sure about all these miracles. Uh, Jesus, you, you're un unclean. When, you, when you're rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, when the Holy Spirit is beginning to challenge you about your own heart, and you push that away, what you're doing is you're pushing away the means of grace and the means of forgiveness. And so you can't come into that forgiveness. You can only come into it by receiving the Holy Spirit and acknowledging that you need Jesus. And that's really what Jesus is talking about there. The Pharisees didn't want to do that. I want to encourage us that Jesus had already said in Luke chapter 11 that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to all those who ask. Jesus promised just earlier in this chapter to the disciples was the Father will give you the Holy Spirit if you come and ask for Him, if you come to Him. It's what we really need is a new kind of leaven. We need a new leaven, something else that forms in our heart, that changes our hearts. And that leaven is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the new leaven. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will teach you. When he, he says, don't be anxious about anything, even if you're dragged before courts. This is under the face of death. Think about that statement, do not be anxious about anything. Is that even possible, Jesus, in our anxious ridden society? Our, at what level can I not be anxious? Well, Jesus says, even under the level of the threat of death, by the Holy Spirit, you cannot be anxious. What an incredible statement. What an incredible uh, power that the Holy Spirit has and help. What an incredible help the Holy Spirit is. What a new heart you can have with the Holy Spirit. What incredible leaven is the Holy Spirit, if we can use that picture. <coughs> the Holy Spirit will teach you, even in the most difficult of circumstances, he will give you even the words to say. This story here, and I'm going to try and close it out, while giving us a sense of what the Holy Spirit is able to do in our hearts. These are, this is a great warning passage, and it ought to shock us, it ought to disrupt us. Even as we had this morning, we felt a little bit disrupted because we didn't have Mark's uh, document in front of us, but we got it and then we were able to uh, read it and worship together 
that's a small disruption. This disruption is very big when Jesus kind of warns us that maybe this can happen in my own heart. I can have things going on which come out through my whispers. Oh God, would you change it? Would you rescue us? Please, God, I need you. I need you to rescue me. So the context of this promised Holy Spirit in Luke 11, you know, Luke's been giving us this story in the context of the Holy Spirit. He started off with um, the clear working of the Holy Spirit in Mary, in Joseph, in Elizabeth, in Simeon, in Jesus' ministry himself. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He went into the wilderness in the Spirit. He comes back in the power of the Spirit. Jesus begins his ministry and he says, he opens Isaiah and he says, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he goes preaching good news, setting captives free, giving freedom to those who need it, giving hard hearts new hearts. Jesus' gospel comes and he proclaims all of this. He rejoices in the Holy Spirit, Luke says. And then this great promise in Luke 11, the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. And then a warning, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if you reject the Holy Spirit, you will be rejecting the way in which forgiveness comes to you, in which a new heart comes to you. At the, Jesus goes on to say that the Holy Spirit will teach you. And at the end of this gospel, he says, I am sending you the promised Holy Spirit. There's another story of a Pharisee called Nicodemus who came to Jesus saying, Jesus, um, I know you're a great teacher, a great prophet. And Jesus interrupts him and says, Nicodemus, one of these Pharisees says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You must be washed clean. You must have a new heart. You, you, you cannot continue like that. You need the Holy Spirit. You need to be born again. And Nicodemus is confused. He says, how can, how can it be? How can I go back to my mother? And Jesus says, Nicodemus, are you a Pharisee, a teacher of the Lord? You don't even know this, this great promise that you must be, you need a new heart. You must be washed clean. And really Jesus is referring to Ezekiel. And he's astonished that Nicodemus doesn't know that he needs a new heart. He needs a new uh, spirit within him. Particularly the text in Ezekiel 36 says, I, this is the promise that's always been in Scripture, the promise of the remedy for a broken heart, is I will sprinkle you, Ezekiel 36, I will sprinkle you with clean water. I will wash you clean from all of your uncleanness. Pharisees, I will wash you clean inside and out. I will wash you from all your uncleanness. Who will do it? I will. God will have to do it. I will wash you from all your idols and cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in all of my ways. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. Nicodemus, do you not know this? Josh, don't you know this? I can't see your faces, but just put your name in there. Do you not know this? That is God who will have to give us a new heart to cleanse us. If we are to be cleansed at all, inside and out, it will be by the washing of new birth and the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel 36 verse 33, And thus said the Lord, On that day I will cleanse you from all your iniquity. Washing and cleansing a new heart put there by the Spirit of God.
the Holy Spirit who will be in you a wellspring of eternal life. This is why Jesus rebukes Nicodemus for not even knowing that he needs a new heart. This is why Jesus rebukes these Pharisees for not being cleansed on the inside. The great joy for us is that we do have a new leaven. We have the Holy Spirit. We have been given the Holy Spirit who will teach us, as Jesus says in this passage, and not tell us what to say. I wonder this morning, I want to ask you to allow yourself to, to be taught by the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit. And when we are challenged by these kinds of woes, these kinds of warnings, let us lean more and more upon God to cleanse us and give us a new heart, to cleanse the cup inside, which will make us clean on the outside too. I'm going to hand back to Mark now as we partake in communion together. This communion is the symbol of God making all things new. I want to encourage you this morning to diagnose easily by the Spirit what's going on, what is in your heart, and say, Jesus, would you help me by your Spirit to be washed on the inside this morning? Thanks, Mark. Why don't you come up and lead us in communion?